0: You return with me this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As we gather here this morning, we worship the resurrection of Christ. As we think about the Gospels, we think about the power that exists in Christ. We have sung about it this morning. The power of renewed life, the power of living life in a different fashion, the power to transform When we think of Christ in the Gospels, we think of his power in numerous ways. There's a story in the Gospels where the disciples are out at sea in a boat, and the storm comes up and is raging. The disciples fear for their very life, and as they go to the front of the boat, Jesus is there, but he's asleep. They wake him up, and they're like, we're about to die. What are you doing sleeping? He wakes up, he stands up, and he says, see, be calm. Gospels say that Jesus with words could, could control nature. Stop a storm, the fierceness of winds, with words could control nature. He could meet the needs of individuals, power over sickness. The lady who bled for 12 years could not find an answer. Touch the hem of his garment, and from the touch of the hem of his garment, Healed. Power over nature, power over sickness. There was a man that was so evil that he lived out in the caves outside of town and nobody would go near him. And the Bible says that even when he was chained, he broke the chains. There was so much evil in him. Jesus put a foot on a seashore and the man ran up to him, bowed down before him, and begged for his existence. The Gospels teach us that Christ was a man of power. Power over nature, power over sickness, power over evil itself. But the greatest power that we see in the entire Gospel account is the power of his resurrection. The one thing that so many fear in life is death. And we saw it while he lived life. We saw him call Lazarus out of a tomb. We saw him raise a girl that was dead, but for Christ himself to die upon a cross and then be resurrected, he defeated death itself, which would lead Paul later to write in this chapter, death, where is your sting? For you no longer have the victory. It is that power. I believe that maybe the most powerful verse in scripture was read this morning in the music service. Now, there's a lot of powerful things that are spoken about in Scripture and within history. There was even a time period in history itself where the church was more powerful than kings and queens. But that is not the most powerful time period in church's history. The words that the angels spoke at the tomb that morning may be the very most powerful words in all of history. When they look at the women and say, why do you seek the living among the dead? Our faith is in a living Savior. Our faith is in a living Lord. I do not live life by myself, but I live with Him and through His power and through His strength. For my heart may be corrupt and my feet may be as clay, but I serve a risen Savior who can truly walk with me, support me, love me, cherish me, pursue me, embrace me and allow me to live through his power and his strength that is the power of the resurrection it gives me the ability to live in newness of life it is the central piece of christianity it is what we celebrate this day as paul is writing his letter to first corinthians he reflects upon the resurrection and what it not only means to him personally but what it means to the church and the existence of the church. If you will look with me in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, we'll begin our reading in verse 1. Paul writes this, he says, Now brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, He appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born, born out of time. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach. And this is what you believe. He introduces chapter 15 by basically going back through the gospel message. Paul says, do you remember what I proclaimed to you? Do you remember the gospel that I preached to you? Do you remember the gospel that you accepted? For that gospel should impact your life in such a way that not only does it change you, but it actually serves as the foundation of your life each and every day that you live life. He says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. In other words, you have accepted it, and it is on that gospel message that you stand daily, you stand firmly. So many times we come to Christianity, and it is an identifying mark upon our life, but truly are we standing on that? Have we defined ourselves by it? In other words, what Paul is saying is when you received the gospel message, you said it is on this gospel that I will stand. Guys, have we firmly taken a stance on that gospel account? Is that the foundation of our life? Is that what we live for? Is that what we breathe for? Is that the greatest desire of our life? It's a question that we must answer, uh, ask ourselves and answer for ourselves. He says then, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. In other words, Paul says you have been saved, you have salvation if you hold to the gospel. In other words, not just something that you accepted from me at one time, but this is something that is a part of your life. This is something that is a part of your being. This is who you are. Guys, we celebrate this day, because the resurrection changed our life. The resurrection has shifted and transformed us into something new, and it gives us a chance to live life for God, which is completely and utterly different than the way we were living before. Whether we were behaving morally or not, that's not the issue. You could have been raised as a good person. Do you remember the rich young ruler who came up to Christ and he said, Christ, let me ask you, what must I do to enter into the kingdom of God? And the first thing Christ says is you have, to obey, uh, you have to abide by the law. And the rich young ruler says, I've done that. And then he continues the condition. He says, you need to go and sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And then you can follow me. Or then you should follow me. And that's when he walks away sad. It's not that he wasn't a moral person. He was. He claims, I have morality. Jesus says there's got to be something more than that. You have to live your life for Christ. You have to be dedicated to God. You have to stand upon his gospel. Guys, it is the greatest call of our life. Christianity is not something that we label ourselves with. It is not an identity that we carry around with us that we can just answer when people ask us what religious faith we are. It is something that is defining to our life every breath we take, and every day we live, we are defined by our faith. Paul says, stand firmly on that which you have accepted. Stand firmly on the gospel message. He says, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I receive, I pass on to you in the first importance Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. He appeared to Peter and then the twelve. After that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me one who was born out of time. In other words, what uh, Paul says is, I'm giving you an account of the gospel message. Jesus came here, he lived here, he died here, and he was resurrected, and I saw him after his resurrection. He made himself known to Peter and James and John and the other apostles. He was seen by them, and there's over 500 testimonies that he walked the face of the earth after his death. He even appeared to me on the road to Damascus out of time. In other words, Paul says, I wasn't one who got to walk with him. I wasn't there when he fed the 5,000. I wasn't there when he called Lazarus from the tomb. But he appeared to me out of time to identify me as one of his apostles. I want you to think about what the resurrection meant to these individuals that Paul speaks of at this time. Paul says he appeared to Peter. He appeared to James. He appeared to John. He appeared to 500 other disciples and him. Think about some of the individuals that he listed there. Peter, a man, when we read at the end of the gospel and the crucifixion account, denied Christ three times, is transformed into a powerful church leader by the book of Acts. Why? It's the resurrection. Jesus came back and he spoke with Peter. And the forgiveness of Peter transformed his life Is the power of the resurrection. Paul was one who was persecuting the church, trying to stomp it out, arresting Christians, beating Christians, standing there while they stoned Christians to death. What transformed him? The power of the resurrection. A living Savior, a living God talks in, in Christian terms of Christianity being essentially the incarnation the incarnation see there's accidental properties and there's essential properties accidental properties are properties that can change but the thing still remains the same so in other words there was a time period in my life and I have photos to evidence this I had hair my senior portrait is nice, combed, parted it's there I have evidence of it. At some point in time in my life, I don't know exactly when it was, my hair started turning loose. And now I'm bald, but I am the same man. It's an accidental property. There was a time where, I don't know what time that would have been in my life, probably when I was one or two, I was a small human being. Now I am no longer a small human being. That's an accidental property. Our size, our hair, those things There's essential properties that I cannot change. There are the very essence of my core and my being. I am human. I am certain characteristics that cannot shift, for when they shift, it no longer is what it is. Paul says the resurrection is an essential characteristic of Christianity. It cannot be shifted and it cannot be changed. And this is the reason why. Even if you go with Kierkegaard's definition of the incarnation being the very essential essence of the Christian faith, the resurrection is essential to the incarnation. It makes no sense for God to come in human form and die. But it makes great sense for God to come uh, come to this earth in the form of humanity, to die upon a cross and then to be resurrected, defeating death, for our God cannot die. The resurrection is essential to the incarnation. It's essential to the faith. If we do not believe in the resurrection, then we are not Christian. Simple as that. If we don't believe in the resurrection, then we don't believe in the incarnation. If we don't believe in the incarnation, then what we are is Jewish. Shalom. That's what you are. Go to synagogue for the resurrection and the incarnation is the essence of Christianity. There are some things that we can disagree on in the faith and there's some characteristics that we can talk about and there's some theology that we can argue about. But if you don't have the incarnation and the resurrection, then you don't have Christianity. It is the foundational element that brings us together and unites our lives together. It says that God is not defeated by any power upon this earth. It says that my God is not controlled by human history nor the natural law of the world. There are many who doubt the resurrection. There have been some Christian theologians in the past who have doubted the resurrection. But guys, I am here to tell you when you doubt the resurrection, what you have done is you have put your faith in the natural order. What you've basically said is I've not seen something dead. Get back up and walk again. And therefore, I don't believe that it can happen. But I put my faith in God and not the natural order. I believe firmly that God can overrule any natural order. I believe my God is the most powerful being in all of existence. And he can do whatever he wants to do. And when he resurrected Christ, he won the greatest victory of all time. That is the gospel that we stand on. That is the gospel that we live by. That is the gospel that is a controlling element of my life. And you see the transformative power of it. Paul, a man who persecuted the church, then becomes the greatest leader in the history of the church. He goes on and he writes this. He says, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. If it was not for the resurrection, then we are the most pitiful. Why? Because my faith is based in it. And I live my life based on my faith. And if I live my life based on my faith and the resurrection was not true, then I live my life on a lie. And Paul says we do not live on a lie. We live on the truth. That's where our faith is. That is where our life is. Paul says, understand this. Christian faith is... Is linked to the resurrection of Christ. What we celebrate this day is not simply Christ coming back to life. We celebrate the defeat of death. We celebrate the power of God not to be controlled by any other entity. We celebrate a God who can transform that which is dead and make it alive. Guys, that message not only holds true for Jesus' life as we celebrated on Easter Sunday, that message holds true for us today. God has pursued us with a reckless love that can transform us from something that is dead to that which lives. The first thing we have to come to grips with is the fact that we are dead. So you can walk around all day long, and you can take as many breaths as you need to, to sustain life, but you can be walking around dead. I personally don't believe in the whole zombie thing, and I don't worry about the zombie apocalypse, although I've got a lot of friends who talk about it quite a bit, and I know who to get next to if it does ever happen. But I'm telling you guys, every single day of our life, we are surrounded by zombies who walk this earth dead on the inside. Some of us still walk around as dead individuals. The first thing you've got to realize is that you're dead. And then you've got to realize that there's not a power that exists inside of you that can bring you to life. For there is only one power that can take that which is dead and raise it to walk in newness of life, and that is the power of God through Christ himself. That's what we celebrate. We celebrate that God is not defeated. We celebrate his power. We celebrate that Christ came out of a tomb. And when the lady showed up, the tomb was empty. We celebrate that he appeared to his disciples. We celebrate the Christian faith. We celebrate the history of the church. We celebrate all those things. But maybe most of all, what we celebrate this morning as we sing songs and as we join together, what we celebrate most this morning is that God in me has taken something dead and has made it alive. For I have died with Christ in his crucifixion, but I have been raised with him in his resurrection. That is the life we live. That is the testimony that we have. It is the gospel message that we share. It is the foundation that we stand upon. As you reflect upon life this morning, ask yourself one simple question. Where do you stand? Do you stand as a person who only has faith in the natural order? Do you stand as a person who only has faith in yourself? Do you have, if you, if you stand there as a person who has faith in family and friends, or do you stand there as a person who understands that the only faith that is worthy of having is a faith that exists in God? through Christ his son and the power of his resurrection. May we be those people. May we not only hear the gospel, may we accept the gospel. May we not only accept the gospel, but may we stand on the gospel and may we not be moved. The resurrection of Christ symbolically represents the resurrection of my life. And may I live for God every day and every moment. It is a gospel that I have heard, it is a gospel I have received, and it is a gospel that I will live. Let this be a formative moment in our life where we not only hear the gospel, not only receive the gospel, but that we begin to live the gospel everywhere we go. Let us pray. God, we come before you this morning, and I cannot imagine a greater day to come into the house of the Lord. For it is a day where we celebrate our God and the power of our God. The death of your Son, the resurrection of your Son. Lord, while Good Friday is a day where we remember the sadness of Christ being taken from his disciples, Easter morning is a day where we celebrate the joy of of them discovering a Savior who could not be conquered by death itself. There is not any power upon this earth or beyond that can rival the power of the living God. Or there's a hymn that we sung all the time growing up. It's because he lives. And Lord, because... He's, we sing that because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone Lord truly every single day that I live life it is because you live do not serve a dead savior I serve a risen Lord and Lord I pray that as we come to an understanding of what your resurrection meant, not only in conquering death and what it gives us in the future, I pray that we understand how it impacts us now. This day, tomorrow, every moment of every day. Lord, may we not only be individuals who have died with you in your crucifixion, but may we know what it is to rise and walk with you in your resurrection. We pray these things in your name. Amen. This morning we'll have a time of invitation. Any decisions that need to be made in a public fashion, feel free to come forward at this time. If you'll please stand.